Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. All right, let me try this out, okay? It's time! That was that might have been a little more Vince McMahon than, than Bruce Buffer, but we'll talk Jets Leafs in just a second here, but I'm rolling out my best impersonation because I'm going to help you guys win some money. Got a huge event this weekend in the MMA world. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, wants to give you a free shot at a massive payday. The notorious one is back. Yeah, Conor McGregor makes his return to the Octagon this Saturday at UFC 257. And for this weekend's fight, DraftKings is actually offering new players a free shot at millions, millions of dollars and total prizes with your first deposit. So if you're a rookie like me and you haven't given this a shot yet, no worries. Fantasy MMA is super easy to play. You just pick six fighters. You stay under the salary cap. You get your Chevy on, be a GM. You pile up points for advances, takedowns, a whole bunch more. And again here, it doesn't matter if you're a UFC know-it-all, the perfect way to put your MMA knowledge to the test. But even if you're a casual fan like me, you know, why not double dip, enjoy the festivities and have a shot at millions and millions of dollars in prizes. Plus also with DraftKings, don't forget about the NFL playoffs where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs for conference championship weekend. And remember DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. So no worries, deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. Check out DraftKings.com for details. Me and the wife actually signed up yesterday and uh, we got our UFC picks in. Uh, you also get a $20 ticket. If you sign up again with the promo code THPN, you get a $20 ticket for NFL action that DraftKings was nice enough to hook you up with for this weekend. And then, you know, with some of the money we put down, we also picked a daily fantasy hockey lineup to uh, go head to head together. I was also like, by the way, this counts as a date night, just so you know, <laughs> I don't know if I convinced her on that one. 
Um, I, I made a little bit of money too. Made eight bucks, you know, finish in the top 50 of uh, one of their daily fantasy hockey lineups. So, hey, if I can do it, obviously any of you guys out there can go ahead and, hey, it's an easy way to make a little bit of money right now. Now, I was actually expecting to make a little more, though, because I loaded my team up with Jets and Leafs. I was thinking fireworks last night, and that's not what happened, of course. I mean, I I was saying all before the game, hammer the over, hammer the over, and then we got ourselves a bit of a slugfest, a defensive battle. It's a tough loss for the Jets last night, 3-1 in Toronto. We're going to dive into that in just a sec, break down what went wrong. Logan Stanley made his debut. We'll talk about how that went. And then we'll hear a little bit from Paul Maurice as well. I do want to mention later on in the show, after we break down the game, I'm going to get into the latest on Jack Roslevic and the chatter that's coming out on a potential destination for the unsigned jet forward. It's a really interesting spot that was mentioned could be headed there. We'll check out who the jets could possibly get into return. And then we'll look at what's on tap for the jets for the rest of this week, a busy one as well on tap. But back to the game last night. Yeah, that was a little bit disheartening to watch, wasn't it? Especially that second period. I mean, my God, I, I I guess you'd have to say it was worse than the first period against Calgary. Just unfortunate that the Jets didn't have as much time to come back into the game. I I mean, even the first 40 minutes as a whole, though, it, it just it wasn't great for Winnipeg. And it looked like there was now to be fair, there were some injury concerns for the Jets. You're down two blue liners on the back end. You're down your. I mean, your best player from the opener and no doubt about a top six forward in Patrick Laine. So it wasn't like the team was at full strength necessarily, but there was certainly a divide in class in that game. I I think we saw, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear this. A lot of, a lot of the anti Maple Leafs people in this market, but I mean, the Leafs just looked like they were a certain step above where the Winnipeg jets are right now. And if, Hey, if the Leafs play like that, Not only are they for real, but they are going to cruise to a top two spot in the North division. So it kind of gave the Jets a bit of a barometer as to where they need to get their game up to. And I guess we'll break down where it all went wrong because it was the second period. The second period. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was a rough one. And it started, you know, on the man advantage for the Leafs where that power play they had to kick off the period. I think they had nine shots in total on the man advantage. It felt like a hundred. And if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck, I mean, the, the power play wouldn't have lasted a whole lot longer. It's just, you know, unfortunate that they put one in there at right at the tail end of the power play. But the Jets penalty kill did not cover themselves in glory on that one. Just allowing way too many cross-ice passes, way too many. And, and this is kind of the danger when you're not uber aggressive. I think they were you know, going after the puck carrier a little more than they had during last year. But when you allow that many shots through, it's just the chaos that it provides. It's just tough if you're not going to get immediate clears on some of the danger plays there. And, and that's what we saw with the Jets there on that power play in the second period. And then it just, after that, it it got, I don't know, worse, or it just continued to <laughs> to. It continued to snowball on the Jets. They just couldn't get anything going whatsoever. I mean, the Leafs, to their credit, skated the Jets into the ground. And the main thing, and, and how the Jets, you know, in my opinion, always get into trouble, and we saw this in that first period against Calgary, is that they're unable to break out of their own zone. They just they can get it going the other way. And the Leafs did a good job in, in terms of, you know, hey, if you want to try and pass it through us, go ahead. 
will push it back the other way if you're not able to do so. And, you know, people don't like it, but maybe a little dump of chase would have done the Jets some good last night. Where is it the prettiest and the most effective way? No, but it's a hell of a lot better than turning the puck over and trying to battle the Maple Leafs on the rush on the counter, which is what they do better than just about any team in the NHL. So I'll get to my notes here. Go back to the first period. Now, this this was the first thing that stood out to me, actually, in the game last night. And we saw it play out more and more as it went on. So I, I want to get to this first. Mark Shifley opens up the game with a 58-second shift. I mean, no biggie in the general, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? 58 seconds. It's it's a bit of a longer one, but but nothing too crazy. But you go back to that first game where Mark Shafley played 26 minutes. And I thought it was interesting in that first game, Paul Maurice was asked about, you know, is it doable for Mark Shafley to play that much? He kind of hinted a little bit that, yeah, it might be because he's he's well-conditioned. He's in super good shape. But he also mentioned that, hey, he keeps his shifts short. And I thought, I don't know if he does, though. And and Paul Maurice mentioned the 42nd mark, you know, that Mark Shifley did a decent job of, you know, keeping it around that length and getting off the ice, staying fresh. And that's kind of the, you know, the benchmark, 40, 45 seconds. If your shifts are that long, generally you're going to be all right throughout the course of a game. So I went back in game one against the Flames to see just what Mark Shifley's shift length was like. He had 26 shifts in that game. Three of them were around 40 seconds or less. A bunch of minute long shifts. A bunch of minute and a half long shifts. I was like, yeah, you can't. If you're going to play that much, I mean, you got to try and keep these a little bit shorter. Keep your legs fresher for as the game moves along here. So I thought, wow, you know, a minute long shift to kick off the game. Let's see how this progresses last night. And it happened again. It happened. The exact same thing happened again. Mark Shifley plays 26-17. Should mention, too, in the first two games, he's played a grand total of seven shorthanded minutes. He has been getting a decent amount of power play time. But last night, 20 minutes even strength. That was basically the same as the night before. These are crazy taxing minutes. And if you look at the shift length, again, Mark Shifley, 22 shifts last night, three of them, 40 seconds or less again, including a three-minute shift in the first period. Three minutes. And you have a bunch that are well over a minute and a half, a two-minute shift in the third period, a two-minute shift to end the game. Now, that one, I believe the goalie was pulled at that time, so you give him a little bit of leeway. You're you're chasing a goal at that point. Um, But again, even on that shift there on the empty netter, there was a chance for Shifley to come off. Like Wheeler goes off the ice after a lengthy shift. Shifley stays out there and, you know, in part can get the puck out. Mitch Marner grabs it. Empty netter seals the deal. Part of this is on Mark Shifley to, you know, find a way to conserve that energy. And the way, I mean, the best way to conserve your energy is to not be out there for over a minute throughout the entire game. But part of this is on Paul Maurice, too, because, I mean, look, Mark Shifley doesn't keep throwing himself out there over the boards. Paul Maurice is the one that's doing that. And it's just we'll, we'll see what happens against Ottawa in the in the second game of the back to back. But you're just going to run your number one center through the ground. He's going to have nothing left by the time March rolls around, let alone the end of the season. It's just I get wanting to play your best players as much as possible. 
And that's a good problem to have if you're a head coach that, oh, I think I'm riding my top guys too much. But 26 minutes in consecutive games to start the season, it's just, it's, it's unsustainable. And for someone that's as important as anybody else to this team, you, you got to find a way to shorten that down. You, you have to find a way, whether it's the fourth line, third line, whatever it is, you have to find a way to get Mark Shifley, even 22-23. Like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl last year were among the league leaders and forwards on time on ice. I thought they were getting too much and they were playing like 23 minutes a night, right? So you're adding an extra three minutes on top of that. It's just, it's, you're not getting optimal Mark Shifley as well, because when you're playing that much too, as a player, you're, you're picking your spots to conserve your energy. You're also picking your spots to kind of unleash full bore. Right. And and so I, I just think dropping them down to the low 20s, somewhere in the low twenties, that at least gives you, you know, a better chance of, of getting the best out of Mark Shifley, the most efficient Mark Shifley as the Jets can this season. Uh, but part of the reason why he's playing so much is the fourth line was not good last night. That was a rough one for the fourth line after a so-so opener. And you're seeing eight minutes for Nate Thompson, about eight minutes for Trevor Lewis. Uh, you look at Jansen. I mean, Jansen Harkins gets 10 minutes. I, I think you might need to bump that up a little bit for those two. But the fourth line's just, like I said earlier, this was one of the concerns going into the season. Not that you expected them to have a couple points through the first two games, but they're generating absolutely no offense while they're out there. And that's, I mean, that's the rub with Nate Thompson, right? You're just, he, he's been a black hole for the past couple of seasons in the fun zone. And you look at the numbers last night and I mean, two attempts on net, for Nate Thompson, three attempts on net for Trevor Lewis when those two were out there. Ten against. They got absolutely cratered last night by the Maple Leafs, a team who has their own depth concerns. So, I mean, imagine what that fourth line would be up against if they played a much deeper team. They've just they've got to get more out of that unit. Or, in my opinion, you have to find a way to shake things up. I, I mean, I don't know if it's David Gustafson. Again, me personally, and this would be more so when maybe Patrick Line is healthy again. You have the option. You know, cop down the middle at third line center, Lowry down to fourth line center. Although I will say Cop and Lowry and Appleton have been pretty impressive through two games. They haven't gotten on the on the scoreboard yet, but you know, by the eye test, they've they've looked pretty impressive. Mason Appleton looks like he's picked up another step this offseason. He's moving a little faster out there. So that's great to see at least. But they're gonna need some production and they're gonna need a little more ice time out of their bottom six, however they go about it. Now on the man advantage, again, that wrinkle that we saw in the third period against the Flames in game one, I mean, that was that was how the Jets looked all game last night. Now, I don't I don't I would say I don't anticipate this happening with Patrick Line in the lineup. It might just be a wrinkle that happened when Line was in the penalty box. I don't think they're gonna go this way when Patrick Line comes back, but we saw Blake Wheeler kind of shift to a net front slash behind the goal line roll. And then you have Connor in Wheeler's old spot. Shifley in Line Island on that one-timer zone, and then Stasny right in the middle. They actually had Josh Morrissey running the uh, top power play last night, and I wonder if part of that is they didn't need to worry about having somebody feed the puck over to Patrick Line quick. But I thought the power play looked pretty good. They, they generated a ton of chances, uh, got, got some great looks as well. Kyle Connor just firing away at that spot. It's an interesting wrinkle. It's pretty rare to have two one-time shots like that on, on opposing sides. Usually you just kind of set up the one righty out there on the far side, but I, I thought they looked pretty solid. And even Blake Wheeler getting the puck down low, finding Paul Stasny 
for that one-timer in the slot. Morrissey had a great look in the second period, I think, that just blasted Freddie Anderson right in the mask. It was it was pretty impressive. I, I thought I thought that power play looked good. Didn't get on the board again, but we'll, we'll see if this new look continues for the Jets throughout the season. Maybe the biggest positive out of last night's game was that Connor Hellebuck was, was Vesna Connor Hellebuck again. I mean, he was the only reason the Jets had a chance to tie it in the third period. He, he was absolutely outstanding last night. He was absolutely stellar. It was the guy we saw basically all of last season. I mean, the, and, and it was both a quality and a quantity thing for Toronto last night, right? Where they almost pile up 40 shots onto the board, 38 shots on the night. They had 10 high danger chances. The Jets only mustered two, or sorry, three at even strength. Lord knows how many the Leafs had on the uh, on the man advantage. I mean, they were just absolutely peppering Connor Hellebuck on that. But after a bit of a shaky, maybe it was more so just a shaky first period for Connor Hellebuck in the opener. I, th- I mean, since then, now we're talking about 100 minutes. He's been pretty much exactly what you could hope for out of Connor Hellebuck this season. Now, I mentioned some comments from Paul Maurice that I want to get to, and, and we'll, we'll do that right now. Um, because it touches on some of the other things that I think we should mention. So let's, you know, let's start off with Logan Stanley, actually, because we should mention how Logan Stanley looked in his NHL debut. The former first-round pick finally got into game action, and uh, this is what Paul Maurice had to say about Logan Stanley's debut. Very, very happy with Logan's uh, debut. You know, he was certainly not the weak link, and uh, his reads were good. His gap closure was good. He looked like he had... Didn't look like it was his first game. So very, very pleased with the progress that young man's made in the year. You know, I think that my assessment of Logan Stanley's debut is probably the same as a lot of you out there and and what I saw on Twitter last night, but it went better than we all expected. He looked all right. I was kind of pleasantly surprised at, at the game that Logan Stanley gave the Jets last night. I mean, I still think he's too slow with decision making. Uh, When the speed gets onto him and he has the puck on his stick, you see a little bit of issues in terms of trying to get the puck cleanly out of the zone. Um, but he was surprisingly aggressive. He wasn't really afraid to play his game last night, which is, is rare for a young guy in his first game like that. Usually you're you're much more tentative. You don't want to jump into the rush, things like that. But I thought Logan Stanley did that pretty good. He's got a hell of a shot. He unleashed that a couple of times. It wasn't a major tire fire inside his own zone, and that was something we had seen in exhibition games with Logan Stanley when he was up with the Jets during training camp. So I would have to say, it's you know, he didn't light the world on fire or anything, and I still think that when the Jets play the Sens, that I would like to see Dylan Sandberg get a shot in his spot. But at the very least, I think we could say that Logan Stanley, he might even deserve another look, in all honesty. He might, just because, I mean, you have a guy... Of that size, didn't get a chance on the penalty kill. I wonder if, I wonder if Paul Maurice would give him a shot at that. I mean, with the size, you just, you would think it's a natural fit for him there. But all in all, I thought, I thought Logan Stanley was pretty decent last night. So, that's that's good for him. He's put a, a ton of work in, a ton of work, um, and, and I think, you know, maybe looking forward here, Jets fans off of that performance, if he could carry that over into games to come, I don't know, maybe maybe that's a third pair defenseman for the team next season. Let's get to the disaster zone now. <laughs> Let's find out what Paul Maurice had to say about the second period. Jets outshot 22-6 to six and, uh, for the most part, just didn't look all that competitive against Toronto. Well, they capitalized on an awful lot of uh, broken plays. You know, um, at the end of the day, our puck carrier is not skating. They got above us, and we still tried to make those plays. So 
counters back on you. And anything that we had going or opportunities we had to get to something going, we were, it's just slowed our game down to a point that you're just reacting. And um, we'll look at it as the things that we need to do better. We didn't skate particularly well in the second period. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, no. And, and I think that was obvious to anyone that watched the game last night that the Jets just, they, they were awful there. And, and what Paul Marines is talking about, they were above us. You know, the, the Leafs didn't make it easy on the Jets coming through out of their own end into the neutral zone to make passes and, and grab zone entries cleanly. And when you're not skating as well on top of it, you're just kind of falling. You're, you're, you're lulling yourself into the Maple Leafs trap there. And they might be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league on the counter attack with the skill and the speed that they have. So they're totally fine with playing that game. Um, but they just made it easy on Toronto because they didn't move all that well. And when you're doing that, your passing options are limited. And I think too often, the Jets tried to pass their way through the Maple Leafs defense, and there was just no lanes. There was nowhere for the, there was nowhere for them to go with the puck outside of maybe a little chip and chase to uh, to soften it up. How the Leafs looked in the neutral zone, and they just didn't do that a whole lot. And when Toronto had the puck, they didn't give it back either. That was the main thing. A lot of turnovers for the Winnipeg Jets. Not a whole lot from the Maple Leafs. And once they got into the Jets' defensive zone, that that was <laughs> the trouble. Just kind of exacerbated itself. And, and Toronto just does a great job of, of holding onto the puck, waiting for quality chances. They don't just throw the puck, you know, willy-nilly right at the front of the net. They were taking the time, and, and they were kind of gashing the Jets' defense a little bit as well. So just, I mean, it was just tough for the Jets in all three zones, really. They just they could not get anything going. And I would agree with what Paul Maurice said there was, you know, that could kind of be traced back to the fact that they weren't moving their feet a whole ton. And Toronto was, and they were capitalistic, and they were waiting to pounce on the Jets' mistakes. I do want to mention, too, by the way, that I, th- I thought the best player on the ice last night for either team, look, he, his contract was, it was, and it is a little ridiculous, to be honest, the 10.5 or the 10.9, whatever it is, but man, oh man, is Mitch Marner a hell of a player. He is, he is really, really good, and he's going to be worth close to that amount sooner than later. Still doesn't mean the contract wasn't a bad one. I mean, just precedent-wise, they didn't need to offer him as much as they did. But holy crap, is he ever special? Like, he is a... I mean, to have Matthews and Marner out there for 20 minutes a night, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the rest of the North Division. I I want to touch on the second goal. Speaking of Mitch Marner, that tap-in uh, behind Connor Hellebuck after the blast. Murat Tej at the Athletic asked a great question, and he's kind of broken down you know, how the Jets defensively in their own zone are trying to tighten things up. So I thought you guys might want to hear this and, and just, you know, give it your own thoughts. But Murat Atesh asked Paul Maurice on that second goal, essentially, how did that defenseman, I believe it was TJ Brody. Oh, no, sorry. It was Justin Hole. Justin Hole took the shot. But how did Justin Hole get so wide open? Because you saw the Jets collapse towards Connor Hellebuck, leaving the point open for that one timer. Mitch Marner taps the puck in. Was it a matter of the winger coming down too low? What was the issue on the goal? Paul Maurice answers in in his eyes, at least, and then I'll explain, you know, what the defensive breakdown was on that specific goal. No, that's off a rush, and there was a handoff in the neutral zone to a D that couldn't get pressure on the puck carrier, but Blake was actually the low man on that play, and Mark would have been the fill for the uh, the way that play developed. So we didn't want our uh, weak side winger that low. We we had we didn't have one at that point. All right, so I'll break down what what Paul Maurice means on that, 
and I'll, I'll just pull up the play here on NHL.com as well to give you a sense almost in real time. We can break this one down together. All right, so we'll break down the play in real time just to give you guys a sense here. So Matthews carries the puck, gets past Shifley. Wheeler comes down to help as Matthews enters the jet zone, and then it's dropped off to a defenseman behind the net. He takes Matthews. Now, before we get further into the play here, what Murata Tej has very cleverly and, and very smartly and correctly uh, diagnosed is that what the Jets are doing now is the weak side winger. So the winger that is kind of away from the puck, if the puck is on the opposite side of the ice inside the defensive zone, that winger is collapsing into the slot close to where Connor Hellebuck is to try and take away the most dangerous part of the ice, essentially, in the Jets' coaching staff's eyes, and I think everyone else's eyes, to be honest, <laughs> which is the slot area right in front of the net. So they, they've made a concerted effort into eliminating the easy pass, the easy play there, and I guess forcing teams to play more so on the perimeter. So, so that's what it looks like here on this play as Matthews comes around the net is that Mark Shifley is chasing Austin Matthews. He makes the handoff to Blake Wheeler, who is behind him. Wheeler chases Matthews down low, and then the defenseman takes on Matthews behind the net. So the handoff that's supposed to happen here is when Shifley, you know, quote-unquote, hands Matthews off to Wheeler, essentially lets Matt, or Matthews passes him, goes on to Blake Wheeler defensively, now that Blake Wheeler is lower in the zone than Shifley, that's where the handoff is supposed to happen. Shifley now is supposed to become the weak side winger, and that's what Paul Maurice mentions when he says, we didn't have one at that point. It's supposed to be Mark Shifley there. There's supposed to be some communication at least, where Shifley, now that Wheeler has committed down low, Shifley is supposed to go back up, you know, closer up top to the point area because the front of the net is covered here. Or at the very least, Shifley and Wheeler are supposed to communicate, hey, you know, I'm the center, I got down low. Blake, you take care of your normal position, your normal responsibilities as a winger. But that doesn't happen here. And then as Austin Matthews carries the puck behind the net, you have four guys below the hash marks at the very least. Blake Wheeler is, you know, maybe the closest to the point, but it's too late. It's too late right now. And Matthews makes a great pass up to Justin Hole. He takes that one timer right at the top of the faceoff circle. And then Mitch Marner gets lost behind coverage. Taps the puck into the empty net. It's 2-0 at that point. Maple Leafs. So that's... I, I just thought you guys might find that interesting and, and how that play progressed, where the breakdown happened. I mean, it's it's a good theory in, in practice for the Jets, and I, I think it's something that they needed to improve on where they just gave up too much quality last season. But between Shifley and Wheeler there, there's a breakdown in communication. At the very least, Shifley seeing Wheeler lower in the zone should pop up higher into the slot area, maybe closer and just find out where that defenseman's coming from. Or Shifley has to communicate to Wheeler to get back there. So most of that falls on 55 in that situation. Um, but I, I don't think it was a breakdown in what the Jets are trying to do, per se, like Paul Marie said. You know, that goal wasn't because their winger dropped so low. It's the fact that you know, one of the two forwards there just didn't shoot back up to the top to eliminate a pretty dangerous scoring chance for the Maple Leafs on their second goal. Now, one last clip here we'll get to before we kind of finish our game breakdown. And just really high praise from Paul Maurice on a specific player. I thought he was outstanding last night, and he was good in the first game as well. But Paul Maurice here had these thoughts on Derek Forbort. You look at, at the disruption of plays defensively, the impact that he's had on a game, he's over two, he's been our best. Um, really, really strong, great reads. Uh, saved the goal the other night. 
generates a goal uh, here tonight. So he's been excellent for us. 100% agree. I, I, I think Derek Forward has been everything you could have asked for him so far out of the Winnipeg Jets and played 19 minutes last night. Now, you know, Morrissey gets 25, but six minutes on the power play. Pion gets 23, 44, basically two minutes on the power play. Forward and Pionk, by the way, looks like that's going to be Paul Maurice's go-to PK duo this season. Uh, they were on the ice for that goal by Tavares, the first power play goal. I don't really, you know, Neil Pion could have maybe committed more to the pass there and, and taken away Tavares in the slot, but it's a hell of a play by Willie Nylander there. I mean, Connor Hellebuck thought there's no way he doesn't shoot the puck here. I think everybody watching the game thought, here comes the shot, and he just makes a great pass to John Tavares. But back to Derek Forward, sorry. I, I don't know what more you could want out of him. I, I think he's been exactly what people hoped he would be when the Jets signed him and put up with Neil Pionk on that second pairing. He's been great so far. He's, I mean, look, he's not going to put up 30, 40 points this year, but that was a sneaky good pass to Kyle Connor as well. We should give him credit for that. He's he's not an off a quote unquote offensive guy, but if you're a defensive stay at home, sort of big bruising blue liner is going to make passes like that. You're going to be just fine. So, I mean, even with that assist aside, I thought he was tremendous he had the best possession numbers for the Jets on blue liners in a game where they got absolutely cratered by the Maple Leafs, pretty much, you know, broke even on the shot clock. And and even by quality, he was by far and away their best defenseman last night. Really, really promising signs from Derek Forbert so far early on this season. So great to see from the new guy. Actually, you know, all the new guys have been pretty good so far. Forbert's been outstanding relative to what we expected out of him. I think Paul Stassi's been good as well. Maybe not his best game last night, but you know the first game I thought Paul Stassi showed that he's gonna he's gonna make Connor and Liney when they're out there together a pretty dangerous trio. So that's it for the Leafs Jets. We'll move on from that one. We'll see if Winnipeg can maybe. I mean they got nine more against them. We'll see if with a healthier team they can maybe reverse and, and make a much more closer contest next time around. Winnipeg's facing Ottawa later tonight, and I th- yeah, three in a row against the Sens. I mean, this is a big stretch for the Jets, and, and the injuries don't help them here, but you got to take advantage of the Sens. You absolutely have to take advantage of the Senators. On top of that, they, they face uh, the Edmonton Oilers later on this week as well. The Oilers look absolutely awful. I, I don't know if it's going to continue, but they look horrendous so far this season. And may, maybe it's a good thing the Jets can get Edmonton early on. You take advantage of a struggling Oilers team. I mean, you have to, at the bare minimum, get four out of six points against the Sens. I, I wonder if that's enough. But if you could sweep Ottawa here, I mean, the Jets could find themselves in a pretty cushy spot, maybe like five and two, six and two after the first you know week and a half of the season. Look, I, I get everyone saying the Sens are going to be pesky. They're going to play hard. It's not going to be easy against them. But these are games that Winnipeg should win. So hopefully Patrick Liney is back in that first one against Ottawa. And, and you want to start this one off with a win, right? Like beat the Sens in this first one, and then you can worry about trying to sweep them later on. But I I imagine that, I mean, Laurent Brassois should get the start in the back-to-back. But even with Brassois in net, this is a game that the Jets should take care of pretty handily. And hopefully by the time we come back on Friday and you guys listen to Friday's episode, we're talking about the Winnipeg Jets pick it up four more points in the standings, and they'll be right back up near the top of the North Division. Now, I mentioned Jack Roslevic. Report on the weekend of a, a team that's hot and heavy for Jack. 
And where could that be? It's not Columbus. <laughs> you know, we have to mention it every single time, but it's not Columbus for the Ohio native. Reports came out that the Pittsburgh Penguins have called in on Jack Roslovic, and they are very, very interested. A really interesting fit, too. I, I hadn't really given them a ton of thought. I had mentioned before the season when we looked at potential trade candidates for Jack Roslovic, I had mentioned Mark Jankowski, the gigantic center, uh, the former Calgary Flame. He's had a great start to the season. Their third line has actually been their best line in Pittsburgh so far, but Jankowski's got three points to start the year. I wonder who the Pittsburgh Penguins are thinking about moving for, for Jack Roslovic. Now, if it's a pick, I mean, that's pretty simple, right? We don't really have to break down too much on the roster there. But if we're looking at a potential player coming back, and I would imagine it has to be in their bottom six, I don't think they're, you know, anyone in the top six is getting touched right now. Um, but the, the fun name and the one everyone's familiar around here is Brandon Tanev. Could the Jets trade Jack Roslovic for Brandon Tanev and, and reunite TLC and have your third line be Tanev Lowry Kopp again? I would, I would love to see it. Here's the problem, though, and I didn't think I would ever say this. I've watched each of the Penguins' first three games. Brandon Tanev's been their best player. <laughs> I can't believe like he's been their best player. He's been their most impactful player so far. Their third line has been their best line. That was supposed to be a weakness in Pittsburgh was their bottom six. Brandon Tanev has been freaking outstanding so far. So I I, I don't think Jim Rutherford's going to move Brandon Tanev for pretty much you know, for, for any offer from any GM right now. I think they're very happy with what he's given them. I think the same with Mark Jankowski, who for 700K has been a dream for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Maybe Jared McCann. He's out there on that third line as well. Uh, the reason I mentioned him, he's got two points in three games. Nice start for him, but he makes just under $3 million, And he's an RFA until next season, so... In terms of the salary cap, that might fit up nicely with what Jack Roslovic is looking at. So maybe Jared McCann. I mean, you look at the fourth line, and there's there's not a whole lot that would excite you there. On the blue line, I mean, Pittsburgh's really top-heavy. They've got a great top four. I don't think Winnipeg wants any part of Cody Ceci. No, thank you. Please, God, no. Don't do that. Mike Matheson, with that cap hit, I think the exact same thing. I don't know, maybe Jared McCann or maybe it's a draft pick. You know, Jim Rutherford tosses those around these days. But that's something to keep an eye on here. Uh, an interesting name, Jack Roslevic, potentially going to Pittsburgh. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki. What would you like to see Kevin Chevalier get out of the Penguins for Jack Roslevic? Or is there another spot that the Jets could move Jack Roslevic and get some decent value back? But that's going to do it here for us. So thanks for following along, listening to the breakdown of Jets Leafs. Let me know, too, what you guys like about these recaps. Um, again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. I want to do what you guys want to hear. So if there's something you like, something you don't like, let me know. Maybe we'll do a bit more video breakdown. That, I, I kind of had fun with that. So we'll we'll keep that in mind for the game against Ottawa coming up. We'll do a bit more breakdown on Friday's episode. Do want to mention, too, really fun interview on Friday. You guys might have seen this place in River Heights before. It's one of those blank and you'll miss it places, but we talked with the owner of Close Company or Close Co., whatever you want to call it, on Stafford. I mean, a great location. I was just fascinated to find out about these guys because, as you might guess by the name, Close Co., it's 300 square feet. And if you've been not under a rock the past couple of months, it's tough to run a business that small. 
during the middle of a freaking pandemic. So we find out how those guys are doing. And if you love cocktails, make sure you tune into the episode because a great breakdown of all the cocktails that they make. But that does it for another edition of Skates and Blades on the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We're back Friday, like I said, talking with close company, and we'll break down a couple Jets games against the Ottawa Senators. Until next time, peace.